The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Be seated. I guess just a brief note of introduction. Uh, like Pastor Lori said, my name is Pastor Dan Joyner Miller. Uh, my claim to fame in and around Salisbury is uh, my wife, Kendra, is the new chaplain at Catawba College, and that's what brought us to uh, Salisbury from Chicago this past November. And since then, I have um, been at home. We have two little daughters, Joe and Eliza, who are three and one. So you may have seen me out and about uh, at the library corralling a three-year-old or at a public park just trying to hold it all together. So, uh, <laughs> But it's a pleasure to be with you here uh, this morning. And it's actually my youngest daughter that made me, made me think when I was reading this gospel story today. And it had me, had me pondering a question. I want to present that question to you this morning. And the question is this, what is the difference between an adult and an infant or small child? I mean, the answer is a lot of things, but I'm thinking of one thing in particular. And I think a large part of my answer comes down to needs and wants. What does an infant need? An infant needs food, shelter, sleep, and most importantly, loving affection. What does an infant want? Food, shelter, sleep, and loving affection. All right, pretty simple. What about us? What about the adults in the room? What do we need? I think it's simple. Food, shelter, sleep, loving affection. But what do we want? Food, shelter, sleep, loving affection. More money, a perfect yard, 
promotion, a new phone, a bigger house, more free time, better wine selection, <laughs> sports teams that win, perceived success, newer, better, bigger, more. I think there's a lesson in knowing what we need and thinking we know what we need and knowing the difference. And perhaps this is why Jesus tells us in the 25th verse of our gospel reading that the Lord of heaven and earth has hidden divine truth from the wise and intelligent and has revealed it to infants. Perhaps this is why Jesus compares the crowds who did not accept him to those who walk through the marketplace, ignoring the songs and cries of children. Jesus tells us in this reading for today that these wise and intelligent people, not knowing what they needed from God, ignored the prophets, ignored John the Baptist, and even ignored himself in such remarkably thick-headed, hypocritical fashion. Here's what Jesus means. First, John the Baptist showed up. John the Baptist neither ate nor drank. People thought this was weird, you know, a little disagreeable. They didn't want to hear his message of repentance and preparation for God and turning from our sin. They called him a demon. And so the wise and intelligent, the supposed grown-ups in the story, what did we do? We killed John the Baptist. In another effort for God to get through to our thick-headedness, Jesus shows up. God himself, God incarnate. I think God chose the opposite, right? Instead of John, Jesus came eating and drinking. He preached a message of radical love and forgiveness. Because of this, he hung out with sinners. But we grown-ups, we can't make up our minds as to what we want from God, so we ended up killing Jesus too. So it's no wonder that Jesus puts his faith in little ones. The Bible tells us that we don't know what we want or what we need from God, no matter how God shows up. There's an old joke, if you can call it that, a story that I think makes this point rather well. Maybe you've heard it before. It goes like this. A man is in a town and the town is flooding. And he prays to God amidst the rain. He calls out, God, please save me. And at that point, the water's only up to his knees and the last car is driving out of town. And the car rolls down its window and the woman inside asks the man if he would like a ride. The man politely declines. No, he says, God will save me. You can probably see where this is going. The the floodwaters continue to rise, and now they're at his hip. A canoe paddles by. The person in the canoe asks the man if he would like to come in the canoe. And again, the man politely declines. No, he says, God will save me. Okay, now the water is really high. The man has climbed up on his roof to escape the flooding water, and he prays to God yet again. And at that very moment, a helicopter comes zooming through the air. And over a microphone, a man calls out, Sir, we will come down and pick you up. To which the man shouts back, No, thank you. 
God will save me. This is ultimately a tragedy. The man is swept away, and next thing he knows, he's standing before the eternal and holy one in heaven. What do you think he asks? His first question to God. He says, what gives? No, he says, I thought you would come and intervene. Where were you, God? And God answers, who do you think was in the car and the canoe and the helicopter? I think that story is a little bit heavy-handed. I, you know, we get the point. But I also think it gets to the core of some of our most common and, and well-practiced mistakes as people. God shows up in ways we don't expect or ways that we frankly don't want. Like John the Baptist, who didn't eat and drink, and then Jesus, who did. Like our once, we, the wise and intelligent, and we, we think we know what will satisfy our souls. But only God knows our needs and what will actually bring us peace. And what is that peace? What will Jesus give us that we truly need? Well, my friends, we're in luck. Because Jesus in Scripture today tells us exactly what we need. Jesus will give us his yoke and his burden. You see, if we were the ones to choose what we wanted, I don't think it would be either of those two pretty awful-sounding things. Who wants a yoke and a burden? <laughs> yeah, I've spent a lot of time trying to wrap my head around the, those famous final nine words of Jesus in the 11th chapter of Matthew. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Seriously, how, how can something be burdensome and light at the same time? How can a yoke be easy? We've all been to a museum or two. We've seen those old ancient yokes. A yoke is an ancient symbol of bondage and oppression. Armies in older times would make their vanquished foes pass under the yoke in a symbolic gesture of servitude and defeat. A yoke, it's huge and heavy and wooden, a harness that's thrown around beasts of the field. What could Jesus be talking about? How could we ever want this? Well, friends, perhaps this is another example of us trying to conform God's plan to our whims and wants instead of letting God meet our actual needs. But how? How? What message of salvation and grace is contained in these nine words about yokes and burdens? And so I went searching, searching. And I tried to think out of the, outside the box, less like an adult, I guess. And I thought about the simple picture books that I read to my two daughters. And it reminded me of something else that might help us understand this short yet important summation of Jesus's will for our lives. Have you ever heard of something called flash fiction? 
flash fiction. It's a, it's a method of storytelling in which the author uses very few words to tell a story. As many as 100, but as few as six words. It seems the benefit of these works of extreme brevity is the ability to hint at or imply a larger story in our minds than the one that exists on the page. And the birth of flash fiction is attributed to the author Ernest Hemingway. And there's a story about when he invented it. Probably not true, but it's a good story. The story goes that Hemingway is out to dinner with some of his colleagues, other writers, and they're sitting around a table. And as they sat chatting, Hemingway makes a bet with the others that he could write a compelling story in six words or less. Well, the other writers, they put their money on the table and challenge Ernest to complete the task. So he takes a cocktail napkin and he sits there writing out his six words. And then when he's done, he passes it to each of the men sitting there. They all take a turn reading it, and then he collects his winnings. And his six-word story, now pretty famous and equally heartbreaking, goes like this. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. It's a pretty good story. Or try this other six-word flash fiction. Use your imagination. Read between the words. Use your sense of childlike wonder. E.J. Ross, born 1979, died 1942. Not bad. Six words. Well, I think Jesus is telling his own flash fiction story here in this one verse about yokes and burdens. And I think this because in this one verse, what isn't said is just as important as what is said. And like all flash fiction, it just takes a sense of wonder. And I'll be the first to admit this can be frustrating. Right? This is frustrating because our imagination is something we grown-ups left somewhere between when we could make a sandbox into a desert landscape for dinosaurs, and when we put on clothes to play make-believe. Imagination is something that we seemingly trade in as we leave childhood because, you know, we'd rather focus on results, specifics, requirements, or my favorite, outcomes. And yet, in our reading, Jesus holds up the imaginative minds of children. In using our imagination, what do we see in Jesus's flash fiction story? What is this yoke? Well, my grown-up brain tells me that it's a wooden thing to put around an ox's neck. But my imagination pictures something else entirely. It pictures something else that's wooden. And this time, it's hung around the neck, not of me or an ox, 
but of Jesus. It's his cross. And it's easy because it's Jesus carrying it, and I'm not. But what about the burden part? Oh, that burden. Now, my adult brain knows what that is. My rational mind reminds me every time my head hits the pillow as I try to go, fall asleep at night what my burdens are. It's my mortgage, my shortcomings, the mistakes I've made that keep me from falling asleep at night. It's the things I've said to loved ones that I wish I could take back. It's the things I've done and the things I've left undone. How can those things ever be light? But imagine, imagine Jesus sitting with sinners, with tax collectors and prostitutes, drinking and eating. These people surely have their burdens too. But Jesus doesn't judge them for those burdens. He forgives those burdens, lightening them like he said he would because he is gentle and humble of heart. Today, we hear Jesus's flash fiction story of what we need and not just what we want. No matter our age, we need the yoke of Jesus, which is his saving death. Right, scripture says it's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. We need to know that by his forgiveness and love, Jesus makes our burdens light. And that, my friends, is the good news that we need to hear this day and every day and every year to come. Amen.